This conversation was recorded on August 13, 2016. Okay, you sure you're ready for this? Mm, actually, I'm not sure, no. I'm going to prosecute you. You know, so are we going to talk about dispensations today? And No. How important it is to have dispensational teaching in your church? Mm-mm. Wasn't planning on it. Mm. That would have been, see if this was your question. I'd be really ready for that one because I've been. I don't want you to be too ready. But I'm ready for that one. <laughs> okay, I'll keep that. If this was going to be like the softball show, it'd be like, how important is it for dispensations? The, whiff, the wiffle ball show. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Gonna, hopefully it will be the wiffle ball show. So recently we've been talking about Esther. Esther. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one aspect of uh, Esther is Cyrus. Her son, Cyrus. And you say that all the Jews miss the fact that Cyrus is Jew. Or part Jew, half Jew, therefore no, Jewish. Look, you're Jew or you're not. It's it it is beyond question. There's a lot of argument who's a Jew, but nobody argues that if your mother's a Jew, you're a Jew. Everybody agrees that that you're a Jew. Like Timothy, Jesus, right? Genealogy to Mary, you know. Sure. I mean. Joseph, but there was no there was no Gentile involved in Jesus' correct birth. So yeah, Timothy, yes. So Cyrus, Jew. Can you? So the question is, I don't mean this in a offstandish way, but can you prove that out in the scriptures that Cyrus is Esther's son? Is that because it seems like it's put together by pulling together all sorts of things? But is could you walk us through it? Could you? Could you help me see it for myself? Can I just, like, prove it? Yeah. Without any allusions to history? I'm not going to limit you, but... Well, it does require a bit of allusion to secular history, but it doesn't require allusion to secular history that is highly controversial. Okay. I may say it that way. But let me just allow you to be uh, – I say you because, you know, I'm talking to everybody's listening. Let me just l- lay out some facts and let the listener reason it out for himself with the facts that are present. Okay. We know for certain that the Media-Persian Empire started with the Mede and ended up with the Persians. We know that for sure. We know that uh, – by the way, Cyrus is called the Mede on a few occasions. Cyrus the Mede. Even though he's king of the Persians. The so Medes in the, the is Astyages in the book of Esther, is he Median or Persian? Astyages is Median. Okay. He's clearly Median. Is he the first he's king? He's the first Mede king. Astyages in the book of Daniel and the book of Esther. In the book of Daniel, we see Astyages as the guy who proclaims that anyone who prays to anyone but him will be cast into the lion's den. Right. So he's that guy. He's the guy that got tricked. He's been, he got tricked more than once, Then he? got tricked to throw Daniel in the lion's den. And, of course, in that account, 
he's very upset with himself for having been tricked and Daniel being uh, the one throwing the lion's den because he's he loved Daniel. He was very close to Daniel. He didn't want he didn't want Daniel to die and he rushed to the den to see if Daniel was dead and Daniel was still alive. You remember that account? Yeah, I'm trying to remember if if it says Astiagus there, if it says like how we know that that's him. Uh, we know it's him because he's the first. All right. You want to go to that account, Daniel? Sure. We'll go to that account, Daniel. Daniel 6. Yeah. In, in 5, the Babylonian kingdom ends. This is this is actually the introduction of Cyrus. Is, if, you, if you care to know it, it's in Daniel chapter 5 where the hand appears and writes on the wall during the long expanded birthday of Belshazzar. Right. Where he now brings out and defiles the utensils of the temple. But isn't there like at the end of that it says Darius the Median took the kingdom. Yes, that when you and uh, then, yes, verse thirty one. Right. And then in the beginning of verse of chapter six it says Darius it pleased Darius to set the over the kingdom, 120 princes. And yes. so is this Darius? Is this now, is it Now, Cyrus? Darius is not a name. Right. Darius is one of the grand titles of the king. Means uh, a keeper or a... What's yeah, it? maintainer. A maintainer. Yeah. There's the Ahasuerus. That's a title. Right. Darius is a title. Xerxes is a title. Artaxerxes is a title. These are all titles and don't name the person. But um, but the Darius and Daniel 5, you're saying that's Cyrus. No. Okay. The, Dan, the, the Darius in Daniel 5 is Astyages. And so same person in chapter 6. Same person in chapter 6. And if you will look in Esther, mm-hmm. in the book of Esther. The 120 princes? Yes, you will see the satrapies there. Uh, that he that he has and that matches right up. So okay. Esther chapter one, Daniel, Daniel chapter, chapter six. six, same guy, same guy. Okay, yeah. And uh, now, what about Ahasuerus? Title, title. Ahasuerus is a title. Astyages is a name. Astyages is his actual name. Now, is that name given in the Bible? No. Okay. No. The the. The history of the Persian kings is a matter of great controversy. That there is a Astyages, that he is the Median, the first king, not substantially controversial. Controversial at all. But the time, the times and everything, these are extraordinarily complicated, well, complicated, extraordinarily controversial mm. in secular history. I told you the trouble I had trying to yeah trying to sort that out in Wikipedia as an editor trying to get the Bible's viewpoint in there. The problem with the Wikipedia is they don't accept the Bible as any kind of authoritative source, which is which is actually ridiculous when you consider that the Bible is by every by every standard of literature and history is an outstanding source. Yeah, even if you don't agree with the inspiration of the scripture, you know, that it's God breathed, 
if you deny that, you can still take the antiquity, right? The meticulous nature by which it's kept. How many books have a mazora around them to maintain their legibility? If you if you were in the integrity of the text, if you were to talk about the Iliad and in the Iliad it says such and such, nobody would ever raise controversy, but there's not a single version of the Iliad that's entire. Yeah. Yeah. So Bible much more reliable document. Now not only is this the place for Astyages, you know, Daniel Lyons Den, first first king of Persia. The Medes. The Medes. Median Persia. Media Persian Empire. Kicks off the book Esther. Not only is he there, but he's in Nehemiah chapter two as well. He's the guy who says to Nick Nehemiah, "Why is your countenance fallen?" Right. And go here's you know here's my signet ring, here's budget, here's a mission for you to go and what rebuild Jerusalem, the city. And then in Ezra we have Cyrus. In Ezra, it's interesting in Ezra, I, I told this to my girls' class, because we're reading the book of Ezra and Nehemiah in my teenage girls' class. And they enjoyed to hear that Astyages told Nehemiah to go build the city and gave him a letter to present to the keeper of the forest and gave him his signet ring. Mm-hmm. Thus, it was tax-supported to rebuild the city. Cyrus made a different decree. Of course, he made a decree that can't be altered because it's the law of the Medes and the Persians. Cyrus made a decree that every man who, who's of the people of the Lord, the Lord told me, is that the Lord told me that you people need to go, go home and build the house. So whoever sojourning here, you're free to go and build the house. Uh-huh. Take whatever money you have to do it, borrow from your friends, private money, no no tax money to build the temple. Huh. The Jews to build it with their own funds. And and as I pointed out to my girls last time, that's how the house of God's supposed to work too, isn't it? That's a principle. You don't take money from the Gentiles to do the work of God. Yeah. It's okay. Of course, for, it's okay for the city, but not for the temple. It's okay. You see how that is See how that makes sense? Yeah. It's okay for the city because what is that? That's municipal project. That's part of the realm. That's part of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Building a city. Cyrus, told by the Lord, told, told by Jehovah, right? Told by God. And you can tell he was told by God. You, that, that, the ring of authenticity is in there. No tax money tells the people to build it with their own funds. Side question. If... If Nehemiah starts out before Ezra, why are they in that order in the Bible? Like, can't we just go chronologically? They kind of run together, but, you know, Nehemiah's decree, the, it was Astyages' decree had to be before Cyrus's it, it was. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean. I don't know. Were you, you were there Sunday when we discussed that Esther is found some in some Yeah, texts. between the two. Between the two. Very interesting. And it seems there's a sense to that, isn't mm-hmm. there? I mean, there's, yeah, there's yeah. a certain sense to that. But you think it would go like Nehemiah, Esther, Ezra? But oh. it doesn't. But no, it doesn't. So why does he Ezra? 
And, and of course, those books appear together all the time. In fact, there's not two books in, in necessarily. Hmm. It, it may just be one book. It can't actually be one book if occasionally Esther appears between the two. Right. So that is a little bit of a textual conundrum. It's a textual feature. I don't have the understanding of a very good question, why Ezra first. Uh, maybe one day I'll have some insight about why that is. I don't have any right now. Okay. Let's get- I, the, the, temple, the temple's more important than the city. Yeah. But that's, I don't know, I, I feel like that's a gloss. It's an answer, but it's a gloss. I, th- I think that's a C, a C answer or something. I don't think that shows tremendous insight on my part. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get back to Astyages and Okay, Cyrus. so we go back to Astyages. We find him, you know, we find him in these important places, right? We find yes. Him, we find him in the book of Daniel. We find him, of course, all over the book of Esther. He's the, he's the great One king. of the main characters of Esther. This is something else we have to del- We have to actually glean from secular history is the relationship between Astyages and Nebuchadnezzar. As secular history tells us that Vashti is the sister of Nebuchadnezzar's wife. So they're like so, in-law, in-laws. Like, like you and Jason. Okay, so they're... Brother-in-law. Their so, wives are sisters. Their wives are sisters. And uh, seven years' time, see, that's the, that's the other thing we see. The book of Esther has Astyages over the, the kingdom there. Right. We never find in the book of Daniel the son of Nebuchadnezzar ruling. We see his grandson, and so we surmise with some insight that when Nebuchadnezzar needed a king regent, Instead of, instead of his son doing it, which is kind of the typical thing, his brother-in-law did it. There wasn't the kind of hostility between Babylon and the Medes and Persians except brought to fruition with Belshazzar, Cyrus the wicked, Belshazzar. departing grandson. Some people say that doesn't make sense. There are mortal enemies. You know, one conquers the other. How can they be friendly and enemies? And I don't know why people have a big hard time with that. When I, whenever I look at Russia and the United States, that's what I see. You know, here, here's a nation that has been the United States' friend for centuries. But we're not exactly going to put Putin in charge if Obama gets sick. Like, that's where, I mean, it seems, I'm with you on that, but it seems like putting the king of the Medes in charge. Now, that being said, well, we don't Obama actually. and Putin didn't marry, you know, sisters either. So there's a familial no. relationship there. There's a trust probably. But but if Trump becomes president, we get a lot closer. <laughs> who knows what's going to happen? <laughs> we don't know who Melania's <laughs> sister is. Oh, yeah. She's well, from over there. That's true. And Putin and, and uh, Trump are fast friends, aren't they? Yeah. So good point. The, the political machinations are always – Tough to well, I, but, but when we see, you know, the thing I wanted to draw out with Russia is, you know, here's this Cold War thing where they're a mortal enemy, but they've never been our enemy. In, in time of war, they've we've never been, been allies. actual. Yeah. Time of the revolution, they supported the American Revolution. 
at the time of the Civil War. Russia brought her navy into both San Francisco and the New York harbors to oppose the British at the north and the French in the in the south. Huh. As the Pope had arrayed uh, the French forces and Mexican forces together in the south to threaten the United States and the British forces in the north to threaten. And uh, Russia came in to stabilize that situation during our civil war. So these things happen. Oh, I'm just pointing out that, you know, these things happen, especially when you've got, you know, royal families. Mm-hmm. And the actual taking of Babylon, the technicalities were handled by a general called Gobrius. This is well established in secular literature that it was Gobrius that was under the military authority of Cyrus, who was under his father, Astyages. And that's sort of how sons are brought into governance. You know, they'll take a piece. They'll be the military, the head of the military. Right. You know? Under their father, they'll be the commander-in-chief. Uh, and then under the commander-in-chief will be the generals, perhaps. Uh, with Alexander, a little different, but, you know, Alexander was under Philip of Macedon when he got his military career rolling, his father. So, Gobrius famously, to the credit of Cyrus, now Cyrus the commander, he gets all the credit, even though the general does the execution, the strategy attributed to Cyrus, carried out by Gobrius, was to divert the Tigris and the, uh, the Euphrates River, to divert it into channels uh, from the north of Babylon so that the water ceased to get to Babylon. And the water created a moat around Babylon. Huh. So he diverted the water by digging channels, and uh, the river went into the channels instead of flowing its course down, and he dried up the moat around Babylon, so they entered in on dry ground, and then not only did they enter in on dry ground, but they didn't have to bust down the gates because they were open from the inside, as history teaches us. And this then fulfilled the prophecy concerning Cyrus in the book of Isaiah, because we also have to bring in, we talk about Cyrus, we have to bring in the book of Isaiah, which prophesied Cyrus. If you look at Isaiah's, Isaiah 44 and 45. The drying up of thy rivers? Uh, the, the, no, this famous line. You, you may have heard it when you hear it. It says, uh, in Isaiah 44 and then 45. Uh, let me read it. Thus saith the Lord, this is Isaiah 44, 24. Thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer, and he that formed thee from the womb... I am the Lord that makes all things, that stretches forth the heavens alone, that spreadeth abroad the earth by myself, that frustrateth the tokens of the liars, and makes diviners mad, that turneth wise men backward and maketh their knowledge foolish, that conformeth the word of his servant and performs the counsel of his messengers, that says to Jerusalem, Thou shalt be inhabited, And to the cities of Judah you shall be built, 
and I will raise up the decayed places thereof, that says to the deep, be dry, and I will dry up thy rivers. There you see the dried up river. All right. That saith of Cyrus. Now, this is a hundred. Well, this is over a hundred years before Cyrus is, is born. He's named. That saith of Cyrus. He is my shepherd. Now, when it comes to the naming of Cyrus, right? Mm-hmm. Who names Cyrus? Well, his parents do. Right. And this comes down to Astyages and Esther. Maybe they know. You know, maybe they name him Cyrus because of the scriptures. Yeah. He is my shepherd and shall perform all my pleasure, even saying to Jerusalem, Thou shalt be built, and to the temple, thy foundation shall be laid. Thus saith the Lord to his, now look at this, to his anointed. That's the word for Christ or Messiah, mm-hmm. right? To his, his anointed, to, he's, he's a Messiah. To Cyrus, whose right hand I have holden to subdue nations before him, I will loose the loins of kings. That's exactly what it says about Belshazzar when he sees the writing on the wall, his loins are loosed. Mm. I don't know technically what all that means. It could be, that could be really ugly. To open before him the two lead gates, and the gates shall not be shut. I will go before thee and make the crooked places straight. I'll break in pieces the gates of brass and cut in sunder the bars of iron. So this now, this now is exactly what happened to. Gobrius, as he comes across the dry moat, somebody on the inside opens those gates up. And so the gates are just open to Cyrus, and they walk in. And as you know, the book of Daniel, chapter 6 there, I'm not really answering your question yet. I'm just telling you some of the marvelous facts. But Daniel, chapter 6, or was it 5? Let's see. Five is when Belshazzar falls. Yes, this remarkable truth. As Daniel is reading the prophecy to reading the writing on the wall, which what well, we get our we got our figure of speech, the writings on the wall. Right. Great judgment coming into Belshazzar. Look, by the way, <clears throat> at verse five of Daniel five. In the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and rode over against the candlestick or the lampstand upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance was changed and his thoughts troubled him so that the joints of his loins were loosed. See that? Yeah. There it is. Mm -hmm. Loins loosed. And his knees smote one against another. It's like from the cartoons where their knees are knocking. So scared. Well, I think cartoons are made to, right? because this became famous. Now, of course, Daniel's brought in and he offers him, I believe, the second of the, to be second in the kingdom. Of course, Daniel knows what's going on. He passes that up. He goes, yeah, no thanks, but I'm going to tell you. 
He said, let thy, it's over in verse 17, the third ruler in the kingdom, he calls him. Uh, he would offer to him. Dan, then Daniel answered, verse 17, said before the king, let thy gifts be to thyself and give thy rewards to another. Yet I will read the writing unto the king and make known to him the interpretation. So he comes down, verse 24, Then was the part of the hand sent from him, and this writing was written, and this is the writing that was written, many, many, takel, euphorsen. And this is the interpretation thing, many, God has numbered thy kingdom and found and finished it, takel, thou art weighed in the balances and art found wanting. Then he changes the word euphorsen to paris. This word euphorsen is future tense. Like it's going to be? Yes. Your kingdom is going to be divided. This word perez is present tense. <laughs> it is. Thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Uh, I think it's happening right now. It happened right that minute. While a thousand, all the leaders of the kingdom were stuck in this banquet hall having a birthday party for Belshazzar in what Gobrius and his troops unopposed. In fact, not merely unopposed, but welcomed. And you would say, well, why would they welcome him? Well, because in the Babylonian kingdom, they had already welcomed Astyages for seven years. He'd, He'd ruled in Babylon. And now they have this crummy ruler. And when they got a ruler like this, the people groan. So they're more than happy to have the son of Astyages instead of the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. So that's the end of Belshazzar. That's the end of the Babylonian kingdom. That's the beginning of the Median Persian kingdom. And, and we're introduced to Cyrus as the regent, but the king of, it, the king of that empire is, is Astyages. But Cyrus That's why I'm is confused full because it says Darius comes in in chapter 5, but then it says Darius sets up the 120 princes in chapter 6. That's Astyages, Darius. But in chapter 5, it's Cyrus, Darius? No. Chapter 5, it's Astyages, Darius. Darius the Median, not Darius the Persian. you said it was Gobrius and, and, and Cyrus together. Gobrius the general, Cyrus the king regent. So they're both kings, sort of. Like the, the Astyages and Cyrus? Well, he's the firstborn son king. All right. A regent. Heir to the throne. Yeah. King in training. So when it says being 63 years old, is that referring to Astyages' yes. age? Because being in Daniel chapter school. 1, it says he Daniel was around till Cyrus's first year. Yes. So that must be after this. Yeah, that was Cyrus when he comes into power. In the first year of Cyrus is the 70th year of Jer- of the prophecy of Jeremiah. Okay. Uh, if you look at Ezra chapter 1. Okay. Of course, and Daniel sees that too, right? I, Daniel, saw by books. Yeah, uh, the pre- yeah, the Jeremiah. Yeah, he was reading, Jer- he was of Jeremiah, and he began to pray. This is when he begins to pray, and Gabriel comes to him. If you look at chapter Daniel chapter 9, where he gets the great prophecy. Mm-hmm. In the first year of Darius, the son of the Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes. Of the seed of the Medes. 
but called Cyrus the Persian. Yep. But he's Median. But he's Median. And he's and he's Hebrew. Just like just like Alexander is called Alexander the the, the Great, and the, he's a Greek. He's not. He's of Macedon. he's Macedonian. Right. Yeah. So in the first year, if you look at verse chapter nine, verse one, in the first year of Darius, the son of the Ahasuerus, this now is Cyrus, mm. and he was which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign. I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Okay? So now if you go to the book of Ezra, Nehemiah. Same time. It's the exact same time as Ezra chapter 1. Daniel 9, Ezra 1. Yep. Hmm. Well, let's look at Ezra 1. This is the end of Daniel's career. Yeah, Daniel's finishing up, but boy, what a great finish. Oh, yeah. I'm not, great prophecy. I'm not judging his career. I'm saying, I'm saying like, you can line up the end of Daniel. That's right. And you, can get, and you can also line up the great prophecy of Daniel 9 in there. Right? Right. So this is very auspicious. Hmm. I can read Ezra 1 if you can't find it there. Read Ezra 1. <laughs> okay. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing, saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord God of heaven has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Let me keep going. Well, no, but we see the same corresponding year. Now, yes. you wonder what there may have been between Daniel and Cyrus about that. Right. Where else would he learn of these things? He, he, he may have had a revelation as well. Uh, God does seem to speak to these kings of the whole earth, right? Spoke to Nebuchadnezzar. Right. So we have this con- this confluence of understanding and this is when Cyrus says go rebuild the temple but the rebuilding of the city is already underway which goes back to why doesn't it nearby Ezra instead of Ezra Nehemiah so you're building yeah exactly but the rebuilding of the city must have been given during Nebuchadnezzar seven years then no the rebuilding of the city was given under Astyages in the book of Nehemiah. Right, but with, when Before that, Cyrus was king. But after Belshazzar. But after Belshazzar okay. was taken out, yep. So we start getting it pretty narrowed down. I when like things this needs happen. to be a timeline somewhere. Yeah, and then we have all these players, right? We've got Daniel, we've got Mordecai, we've right. got Nehemiah, we've got Ezra, and we've and and we've got all, we got all these players. So this is well, we got Daniel. Well, so we have Daniel, right? Ezra, Nehemiah, Mordecai, Mordecai, Astyages, Cyrus. But I'm talking Not about among the, the Jews, along the Jews. Oh, and Cyrus. we have the attempt of Haman to stop, to terminate them all. Where's Daniel in the Book of Esther? He's not there, but he's in the back. He's he's not in the book. He's not in the book. He's he's alive. But he's alive he's, and he's around. He's around somewhere. He's there. How could he could he possibly be there when Haman? Is it, you know, wouldn't why, he be, why, why wouldn't he have Astyages' ear 
at that time, you would think? Maybe he's deployed somewhere else. I don't know. Hard to say. We can't have Daniel in the book of Esther. That would not that would destroy the secret. I know, but was he just excluded? He was around. Was he around or was he not around? He was around. <laughs> How do we know he's around? Well, where where could he be? That's the question. He doesn't have it. Daniel's not ever exiled. He's the, he's around. His big kingdom, 120 provinces. Yeah, that's right. And he got thrown into a lion's den too. So, yeah, he's not always listened to. He's seldom reverted to. Mm. You might as well just say, "Well, where was Nehemiah?" Good question. Let's go back to what you just said. Is if Daniel was there, it ruined the secret. Okay, would to the Jews. I'm with that, but for everybody else, unpack that. Why? I will say well, that. First you know, of all, what's the secret? And then secondly, why would it ruin it? Well, it's a great secret, but there's a few secrets, right? Right. That they don't know that Cyrus is their Messiah is one secret. Which is a topic that we began with, correct? Yeah, they don't know Cyrus is their own. I, they had I, the book of Isaiah. They got a guy named Cyrus who's going to be this anointed one. What do you think they say about the book of Isaiah today? I mean, you know, these guys it's, deny that Isaiah was written when it was written. It's up to your interpretation. Two guys wrote it, all kinds of crazy stuff. Okay. They don't listen to prophets. <laughs> the prophets are sent to people that don't listen to them. They wouldn't hear Moses and the prophets? Why would they won't hear one? There there are no doubt are those. I'm sure there are those faithful ones, you know, in Israel that are just going crazy with this stuff, going like, Wow, it's amazing, you know, just like God said, but they're not the people you hear from because you they're know, in the lion's dens. Yeah, they get put in a lion's den. They get, uh, you know, they don't get to go to Bible school. And right. Nobody pays any attention to them. Marginalized. They're marginalized. They're shut up. They're tormented. So this great they're secret mocked. that we're discussing, that Cyrus is a Jew, son of this, Esther. That's the one of the great secrets. It, it's a parallel to the Lord Jesus, right? Well, yeah, I mean, the anointed Messiah. Yeah, they didn't know the Lord. He was the Lord of glory. They don't know this guy's a Jew. Hidden in plain sight. Hidden in plain sight, yeah. Now, why would having Daniel around in the book of Esther ruin that? Well, it would give away, it would give away some of the mystery and secret of, of, of the book of Esther. By, by Daniel appearing in there, you'd say, well, almost the name of the Lord is there, you know. First of all, Daniel, you know, he's got God in his name. Right. It would attach the entire book more closely to Daniel's prophecies. The distance that God had put has put himself from Israel for their disobedience would somehow, in my opinion, in my view, would somehow be lost. Mm. You know? I think even even today, even that holiday that was created, Purim, mm-hmm. I believe even in the festivities of that public reading of that scripture and the festivities that go on even to this day of Purim and the reading of the Megalot Esther and the whole celebration, Jehovah is still lost in that uh-huh. to this moment. It is such an epitome of the veil over the eyes of the Jews. I just feel like, you know, 
writing about Daniel in that book would kind of lift that veil a little bit more than you know something many or make Jews, it even thicker when they don't get it. <laughs> many Jews deny that that book is uh, scripture. They also str- struggle great mightily with the acknowledgement of the book of Daniel. Hmm. In fact, I've never been able to get a Jew to talk to, talk with me about Daniel. Never. Hmm. The last time I tried to have a serious conversation with a Jew, I couldn't get to Genesis 1-3. Yeah, wow. Yeah. I didn't really answer your question. Well, you have a way about you. But I, I was just getting ready to answer it, but we're out of time.